the interest of community service, Power 88 presents live talk shows to inform, enlighten, and to stimulate thought and dialogue. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the staff and management of KCEP or the EOB. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Or call in and participate at 647-3688. Funding for Community Partners for Better Health. On KCEP Power 88 is underwritten by the Southern Nevada Health District. And here is your host. Good morning, Las Vegas, and welcome to A Healthier Tomorrow. I'm your host, Will Rucker, and I am so excited that you are joining me today on International Women's Day. We have a packed show, so let everybody you know know that A Healthier Tomorrow is on the air. Tell your cousins, tell your neighbors, tell your friends, even tell the folks you don't like so much, because this is important information that they need to hear. The A Healthier Tomorrow radio program is sponsored by the Office of Chronic Disease Prevention and Health Promotion at the Southern Nevada Health District. Learning how to manage your diabetes may seem overwhelming unless you know where to go for help. If you or someone you care about is living with diabetes, the Health District's free classes are designed to help them live healthier. Sign up today at www.gethealthyclarkcounty.org. All right, so I want to get right into our content because we've got two fantastic guests. I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves. I'm going to say a little bit about them because I admire them both so much. They're doing amazing work in our community. And today we're really talking about how health pertains to uh, women and, and women's history and the amazing contributions they make. So first up, Alisa Howard, who is a community health worker, instructor, and consultant. She is the owner and founder of Minority Health Consultants. She's the co-founder of the CHW Mentorship Network, and she's even a philanthropist, has her own grant at UNLV. Our second guest is none other than Kara Jenkins. I always say Kara Cares because she is the administrator to the Nevada Equal Rights Commissions. She is a proud HBCU grad, a lawyer, went to Harvard Kennedy School of Government Affairs. So watch out now. She is she is the, the real deal here. With that, welcome to the show. Our uh, live stream is like hopping off here. So with that, Elisa, tell folks a little bit about you. <laughs> Thank you, Will. I see the phone just jumped right out. <laughs> um, my name is Elisa Howard. I'm happy to be here. Um, public health educator. Um, been around in the community for a long time, providing educate health education in different areas such as HIV, uh, diabetes, um, hypertension, and uh, up to such. And now I'm teaching other people in the community to do what I do through community health work. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. And uh, some top secret news coming soon. You'll be hearing more from Elisa every month uh, for the rest of the year. So excited about that. You all should just see my face because I just got told this. (laughs) (laughs) And Kara. Mr. Rucker. Tell us about yourself. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you for that lovely introduction, and it's an honor to be here with Miss Elisa Howard. She's doing so many phenomenal things in the community. Uh, as you had mentioned, I am the administrator for the Nevada Equal Rights Commission, uh, created in uh, 1961. The goal of the commission is to investigate and resolve complaints of discrimination in the workplace, also in public spaces or in housing. Um, and so I'm excited to talk to you about protections under the Americans with Disabilities Act, 
Act and talk about um, employment for pregnant workers in honor of International Women's Day and Women's History Month. But let's get going. I'm, I'm excited. This is a great setup. I, I really am enjoying this uh, framework and just you, Will, and Elisa. So I'm ready to talk about the topics that are important to your viewers. Awesome. Thank you so much again for being here. So it is National Nutrition Month. Every every March, the Academy of Nutrition and uh, sponsors the National Nutrition Month to help make people more informed about the food choices they make and to develop positive eating habits. So get ready. I'm going to ask you a little bit about how you stay healthy. It is also National Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month, and the Colorectal Cancer Alliance recognizes this month in order to spread the word about cancer prevention. So we encourage you to learn more about cancer screenings and, of course, talk to your doctor. And as we've already mentioned, it is National Women's Month, but in particular, as it relates to health, this is National Women and Girls HIV AIDS Awareness Day coming up on the 10th. So the Department of Health and Human Services Services celebrates this day to raise awareness about prevention, treatment, and the impact of HIV AIDS for women and girls across the nation. So, Elisa, I want to start with you. That's kind of my segue into your work because before you were doing all these amazing things with your business, you were actually leading HIV AIDS awareness and prevention efforts in our state. So why is this important for our listeners to know about and why does it matter for black women in particular? Well, uh, thank you for asking that question, Will. Um, HIV um, disproportionately affects black Americans, but women, black women, have the highest uh, amount of HIV uh, currently because of uh, a lot of different factors that are going on in our community, right? Stigma, not wanting to talk about HIV, um, not wanting to tell people that you have HIV, um, just all of that that comes around it, right? The embarrassment, um, the shame, all of these things that we're trying to actually educate and bring awareness about so that people can feel like they can live in their skin, right? And be themselves and tell their family that they have this this disease, but they're living and they, they are on medication and they're okay. We're have been working towards that for a long time, uh, 35 years, I believe, just in the country in general. Um, but when I had my HIV program at the Las Vegas Urban League, it was specifically for minority communities because of this. Uh, it's black Americans and then it's um, Hispanic Americans. Um, LGBTQ are the top three um, categories that my my um, at that time my services provided um, services to. But um, HIV in general affects everyone. So even if you are heterosexual, if you are out of those minority categories, categories, you're still affected by HIV because you either know somebody or you know or you are out there having sex. Let's just keep it real. Right. Um, and if you have unprotected sex, you are putting yourself at risk. So I am happy to hear that it is National um, HIV Awareness Day for women and girls because I used to celebrate this um, and actually do an event around it and bring all the women and girls because we know that when we bring women to the table, especially black women we're going to listen we're going to take that education out and we're going to take it back to our families and spread it throughout our communities yeah yeah it's, it's so important and the stigma is still real unfortunately so that's why we got to talk about it and talk about it until we all recognize it could be any one of us yep. and it likely is us or someone we know so testing is so critical making sure you know your status and then also doing what you can to prevent it because even though it's not a death sentence you still don't want to acquire it if you don't have to and there are still people that are dying from HIV because they are not going to the doctor 
doctor because they are not getting on medication because of that stigma that their family or friends are going to have against them. So they're just refusing to take medicine um, for that simple shame of it. And so you can still die of HIV if you're not on medicine. But the medicine is allowing people to live their normal lifespan now. So there's people in their 60s now with HIV that have had it for 20 years, 30 years, and they're living and they're thriving and they're owning businesses and they're they're doing all the things that we're doing. And that's what we want to um, bring education around is that you don't have to die from this. And so just getting tested, a simple test can save your life. Absolutely. And just to tie in Nutrition Month, eating right helps a little bit too, right? Yes, it does. Yes. <laughs> I see you got your green juice. So green she juice, is, green she vegetables. She a green drink. I'm like this coffee bean <laughs> and hot water count with two Splenda, a splash of creamer. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so equal rights. I don't want to talk about that because you can't be discriminated against if you have HIV or AIDS. Is that correct? That is true. It is actually one of the qualifying um, conditions under the Americans with Disabilities Act, Amendments Act. We call it the ADA. You might have all heard that, but Nevada also adopts a similar model in mind, uh, model of the federal legislation that protects people who have uh, substantially limiting life conditions is the legal definition of a disability. HIV falls under that. Yes, Will, absolutely. It's your immunocompromised. So in the workplace, how that means in terms of um, equality in the workplace, um, it's it should be that or public spaces that you're not facing discrimination because of your status. Um, and that if you do, um, you can file a complaint. Yeah. Right. So that's important yeah. for people to know. So getting rid of stigma, you can't be discriminated against. So the long and short of it, get tested, know your status and take care of yourself so that we do all have a healthier tomorrow. I'm going to get into a little bit more about some of the workers rights, because what I have seen is sometimes people are afraid to have the conversation with their employers about whatever medical situation they have going on. And since it's Women's History Month, you know, we want to talk about pregnant people and the rights that they have as as workers because I mean I'm be real I will never be pregnant <laughs> so you know it's, you'd be the first <laughs> if that were true Will but yeah I understand I really appreciate you segueing into that about women and honoring women because we make up almost half of the workforce based on data and so we are out there um, lifting up economies we're employed we're taking care of families we're head of households we're doing a lot of things for our families and and equity in the workplace so that we can see promotional opportunities or be treated fairly regardless of what regardless if we're pregnant or not during that time is super important so not too long ago um, several sessions legislative sessions ago uh, Nevada uh, passed the Nevada pregnant workers fairness act so just know as the Nevada pregnant workers act and basically it says that if you are pregnant uh, and you want to make it known to your supervisor or your employer that you are pregnant and you require an accommodation because maybe you need to take more bathroom breaks or you need to stand more, get your blood flowing, whatever you need so that you can have a healthy pregnancy and child, you should be able to notify your employer and with a reasonable amount of time that accommodation should be made to you. Um, long ago are the days where we just fire women or persons who are pregnant uh, because th they need extra breaks. That is not how we operate here in the state, and I just want you all to know about that. Also, 
that's imp- what is what is important to know, not only about pregnancy st- status or whether you have a uh, a condition covered under the ADA like H- HIV, is that it's never the employer's uh, right to uh, press into your personal business. It is always on the employee to make known your condition for an accommodation, and it's a confidential it's a conversation you have with human resources or HR, and it should be kept quiet, and the com- accommodation should be made. That's as simple as that. And um, as long as you still get your work done, it shouldn't be a problem for your employers to accommodate you. The law typically looks at whether or not that accommodation poses what's called an undue hardship to the employer. But giving someone extra bathroom breaks or extra time to to get into the office space because maybe they're seven or eight months pregnant or they had a doctor's appointment, that should not be. The courts won't look at that and see that as, as an undue hardship. That's just you're making an accommodation. So let me ask yeah. you this. So. If someone is, let's say they're four months pregnant, right? And they have this amazing job opportunity come up and they're like, oh gosh, I'm going to have a baby pretty soon. Should I just not apply? What would you say to that? What's, What's the best route to handle that? Well, I would say, you know, I can only give certain guidance of what the law allows you to do. And um, as a woman, too, I've never been pregnant, but certainly I am auntie and godmom to a, a lot of amazing children. I would say um, that if you want to go for this promotional opportunity, do not let your pregnancy stop you. Um, I think that, shoot, at this point, when you're pregnant, you want to have opportunities, or if you do have a disability or require accommodations for a disability, you would need that health insurance that would come with the job. So it should be even more of an opportunity or an option to pursue your career so you can have coverage to take care of yourself or your baby, and uh, the employer should not ask you in the interview, are you pregnant? Just rude. And it's illegal. <laughs> Maybe you just had a sandwich for lunch. Oh no! Um, you know, but um, honestly and 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 seriously, it it should not be anything be, to be used against you because it's just a natural part of life. It happens to uh, persons who have a uterus. We're all here because of it, right? Yes, we are. So <laughs> if that would be probably my guidance is that if you want to go for a promotional opportunity, your rights say that you should absolutely go for it, and your pregnancy status should not be used against you. Um, and if they ask um, employers, we tell them in our training, make sure that the same questions you ask every candidate or male counterpart be the same that you ask every other person that might be a female or pregnant. So if you're not going to ask a male uh, interviewee how many months pregnant he is, you would not do that to a female interviewee as well. That's so important to hear. And I think it's, I mean, it is 2023, last time I checked. So the fact that we we have to have these laws and protections is, is a little disheartening. But I'm glad that we have someone like you leading the way, yes. uh, making sure that folks are protected, that you're getting the information out, that you're uh, mediating when necessary. And it's such important work. And I'm just glad our listeners get to hear it from from you directly that they are protected. Thank you, Will. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so Elisa, we're talking about, you know, some employment issues, but what about folks that are like, okay, well, I'm pregnant, but I don't have a doctor I trust. How do they find someone that understands, particularly people of color, how do they find someone that understands their unique needs, can deal with some of the trauma we've all been through because of our skin? How do you, how do you approach that? So the way that I help people with that is... Um, I always tell them to find a culturally competent doctor. And what that means is that someone that understands your race, your gender, your beliefs, your, you know, um, 
your understandings, how you move in the world, right? That's what cultural competence is. Um, there's a lot of doctors, unfortunately, out here in Nevada, um, but everywhere that will have implicit bias against you just from the time you walk in, from the time you put your name on the on the paper, from the time you check off that you're a female, whatever that is, right? Um, and then they have this bias against you, and you can tell it when you walk into into the doctor's office. Um, either the staff is treating you a certain type of way, oh, you're on Medicaid, oh, okay. And, you know, just things like that. Um, and so that's not culturally competent care, obviously, right? You want to go to a doctor and the doctor's staff also that, basically you trust and that you feel comfortable with a lot of people believe doctors right that they're god and so they'll go to their doctor get that one um diagnosis or whatever their doctor tells them if they need to start taking blood pressure medicine they, they just take the blood pressure medicine and they don't question anything well if that's going to be the case you also need to be able to trust that person is that person discriminatory towards you are you you know are they having implicit bias are they saying things that you know um oh yeah you're people or you're kind you know those type of things if that is happening that is not the doctor for you and because you're going to get bad care from that doctor they're going to cause harm to you not physical harm per se um like slapping you or anything like that but harm meaning uh giving you medicine that you may not need not doing the blood work properly and doing a second uh test on you you know things of that that causes harm to someone if you're on something um like medicine that you're not supposed to be on and so you always want to look for culturally competent um workers in any setting that you go to so when you walk into your dentist's office when you walk into your your uh your doctor's office your uh OBGYN for women out there right you want to make sure that this doctor understands who you are understands um your race some of your cultural beliefs if you say that you don't take medicine because you're a Jehovah's Witness they need to find other alternatives for you and that's culturally competent care you're actually looking for looking out for the care of your patients and so be careful out there. There's a lot of doctors out there that just aren't doing that, unfortunately, and that's why a lot of um, complaints go in. Um, and then a lot of people come to people like me or our, or our community health workers that are out there looking for like, hey, do you know a black doctor? Or do you know this type of doctor? Because I've gotten really bad care. Um, and so we're we're trying to train the doctors as well. Um, a lot of people have been going to the uh, medical school, you know, the medical school, the nursing schools, Toro University, and, and actually having cultural competence uh, trainings for these doctors that are or nurses that are going to be out there in our community. Um, but what about the ones that are already out there and they've been out there for 50 years? You know, they're a little harder. So just make sure that you're getting that culturally competent care when you walk in. Yeah, that's important to hear. And I always remind folks like you didn't marry. Most of you didn't marry the first person you dated. I would hope not. So so <laughs> just because the first doctor you went to didn't quite work out or the first I'm nurse. I'm pleasing the fifth on that one. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's for the evening show. <laughs> But just the first time you, you met a doctor didn't mean that's the right one for you. And so if you keep going, don't give up on your own health care right. because the first one you didn't didn't work out for you. So with with the work that you're doing with the community health workers, how do folks that are listening are like, well, I want to do something like that. How do they get involved and be trained or become a community health worker? So the community health worker training is actually um, there's several. You can take it online with the Nevada CHW Association, which is who I teach for. Um, I used to also teach for uh, College of Southern Nevada. They have a training as well. That's more in person. Um, I am doing in person classes if an organization has staff of 10 or more that they would like trained uh, with the Nevada CHW Association. So now I'm taking that training out on the road. Um, I just tra trained the LGBTQ Center um, staff, HIV staff, and now they're community health workers and they're HIV advocates. 
advocates. So what I would say for anyone out there that is looking for, you know, workforce or looking for work or just wants to get into this field in public health and you don't know how, community health work is that gateway. I always tell people because it takes basically community people. You don't have to have a high school diploma or anything um, and you just have to be interested. I always tell people it's usually our like what we call back in the day our uh, candy lady, right? <laughs> our popsicle truck man, right? It's usually those people who are already helpful people. They've already been helping, you know, they know the community, they're looking out for everybody. Those are the people who will make great community health workers. Big mama down the street. She know everybody's business, right? But she's also the one to tell you what to go get from the from the uh from the store if you, you need if you have her. a cold and you trust her. Mm-hmm. So it's all about trust, right? Mm-hmm. And these people already have the trust of the community. So I would say if you're out there and you're looking um to become a community health worker, go online to the Nevada CHW Association or uh, College of Southern Nevada or Truckee Meadows, um, which is up north, but you can still take their online class. And it is free because there is a grant that is paying for students through the Nevada CHW Association and Truckee Meadows right now. I don't know about College of Southern Nevada. Oh, well, I mean, we like grants on here. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so does does your organization, care? do you offer any training for folks that just want to overcome their bias or just become more aware? Absolutely. And thank you for asking. And that was a great plug that Elisa did. So I'm going to plug my organization, too. So the Equal Rights Commission is uh, underneath the state. Uh, so it's government services. But for any employers out there that want to learn about how to or their HR um, professionals want to just get a refresher training, we train at no cost. Um, and you just email the commission and uh, book a date and we will train on any areas that you think your organization could need help in. And since we're talking about, you know, um, proper interviewing or what's uh, not approved or what's approved for workers who might have a status that's qualified under the Americans with Disabilities Act, like HIV, or if you're you're a pregnant worker, how you accommodate them, we can tackle all those issues and just basically create a safe space to help you understand what is legally acceptable behavior in the workplace for the human beings that work for you. Because the truth of the matter is we're all human beings trying to figure out this life together and navigating in a way where we are inclusive, where we're not breaking any laws or violating any protocols, but also um, just having an environment where people can just be. And one thing that I wanted to add, too, about uh, training and outreach for um, HIV AIDS, in particular as it relates to a condition that is a qualifying condition under the Americans with Disabilities Act is during COVID. Well, the onset of COVID, COVID's still here, but we now have, you know, we have vaccines, we have treatments, we can mitigate COVID. But when it first, the pandemic first hit, um, there was a lot of really good guidance that uh, came out through the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission or the EEOC that my agency picked up on and we kind of trained employers on how to deal with folks who needed to remote work. If you are immunocompromised, it would, it might have been very tricky before there was vaccines. Um, to come and report to work because a, the risk of a COVID infection could severely compromise your immune system and maybe even kill you. It was a very scary time. So we talked about ways that employers could be prepared for pandemics, um, which, you know, only happened once in uh, uh, Haley's Comet. Uh, this was just un- unseen and unprecedented, but it's creating a plan where folks can remote. Uh, getting your laptops and internet and IT people all on boots on the ground so that people could remote work. And we saw that kind of change and shift work culture as well. But there are accommodations that can be made. So despite whatever disability you're facing, whatever condition you may have, 
whether you're pregnant, whether you have HIV, your employer should be able to accommodate that. And so we train on that too. So just contact the Equal Rights Commission, set up a date. The trainings are really interactive and kind of lively um, because they're a safe space because the last thing you want to do is have your company get a charge of uh, discrimination. So proactively we train to prevent any further um, investigatory or conciliatory or settlement or pre-legal right to sue actions. So education, best tool to prevent any kind of discrimination. Absolutely. And education is, is a prevention tool. We are all about prevention on this show because an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure is what my grandma used to say. So the a Healthier Tomorrow radio program is sponsored by the Office of Chronic Disease Prevention and Health Promotion at the Southern Nevada Health District. March is National Nutrition Month. So during this month, everyone is invited to learn about making informed food choices and developing healthful eating and physical activity habits to help save money and reduce food waste, plan your meals and snacks, and make a grocery list before heading to the store. Don't go to the store hungry is what they're saying. <laughs> so for more tips, visit www.gethealthyclarkcounty.org. You are listening to A Healthier Tomorrow with Will Rucker. I have Elisa Howard and Kara Jenkins on with me today. And our last few minutes, I want to hear about what you all are doing to stay healthy. What are you eating? Man, Elisa, you got this beautiful green drink. So let's start with you. What, what are you doing to stay healthy? I juice a lot. Um, and I stopped eating meat about four and a half years ago. Um, no, I'm not saying anything about meat eaters. It was just my personal thing that I'm going through. <laughs> and I can't say that I feel lighter. I feel more energetic um, every single day. Um, so I'm, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, information about not eating meat. I'm not vegan per se. I just don't eat meat. And then I juice a lot. So I, I juice fresh vegetables and juice. And that gives me a lot of energy so that you're not out there looking for coffee, um, or caffeine. We're not going to talk about coffee and caffeine. <laughs> Hey, I like I like the frou-frou coffees too, but I will choose a juice over it. Um, and just because it, it, I know that it helps me with my skin, it helps with um, energy, it helps with um, digestion, everything. There's just so much information around juicing. Awesome. And Kara, what about you? Well, I I uh, I agree with Elisa. The older I'm, 44 now, and I have reduced my even desire to eat meat. It's just, it's got to be on a special occasion and it's got to be a really good steak. <laughs> um, but for the most part, I don't prefer meat. I'm not vegan. It's just the older you get, the less food you really need and you need to hydrate. So yes. I drink a lot of water. Um, I do take in coffee, but I do get my greens in. But I'm really active and physical, so I am a runner. I've run four marathons. Those days are over, though. Those stopped. That stopped at 30. Um, so it's a good walk outside, almost for my mental health, to get taken the air. And now that the weather's nice, it's really good to get outside. And if you don't want to go outside, then, you know, YouTube has a lot of good videos where you can just do little workouts and chair workouts. And, um, and hiking up and Yeah, Red Rock. So I just try to move my body as much much as I can. Um, it's more of a mental, for a mental thing, and I do love to dance in my okay. free time. Yeah, no, not good at it. I just... In the uh, mirror or... In the morning. <laughs> hey, in make it morning. fun, move the I body. Turn the, I turn the radio on, and I'm like, okay, we're going to start this day. We're going to be positive. I say my prayers, and I dance. Yes. Out the door. 
before, we, love before it. real love world it. starts. <laughs> well, I want to thank you both for being on the program and all of you listening. Thank you for tuning in to A Healthier Tomorrow. As I always remind you, you are not just a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop. And what you do matters. So live compassionately. We'll be back again next month. See you then. Thank mm-hmm. you.